So have you been uh, using any of your lock picking skills recently? Um, I mean, recently? Jeez. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think the last time I had to use those skills was my dad was looking for something. Uh, and he, you know, everybody, I basically, anyway, he was looking for some shit that he thought was at the house. Um, <laughs> he had these two weird filing cabinets at the house that were just like locked, been sitting there locked for like 20 years. And, uh, I thought, well, maybe this thing that he's looking for is in one of those, but there's no keys. Like I said, these things have been locked. So I, I picked a couple of filing cabinets, but that was months ago. That's pretty good. No, it was easy. Did it, uh, is it that easy? Yes. Well, once you learn how to do it, it's very easy. JP showed up at the house uh, midsummer with a full, no, no, full kit. Like a, dude, that was not midsummer. That was like a, a year ago. It, it was. Like, was it was like it? in the fall a year ago. Oh, my God. At least a year ago. It's been a little while. I guess the time just flew by. Actually, I think it might be two years ago. No. Yeah, because uh, it, yeah, it's coming up on two years because I remember like the first year I was that I was doing, I was really into it. And then the second year, which would have been last year, um, I thought lockpicks might be a, a good Christmas gift for somebody in the family. And mm. I got, I got them some lockpicks. Really? Yeah. Have, have they used it? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I'll have to talk to them. I know that they, uh, they were playing with it, you know, at Christmas. I don't know if they continue to or not. It's a pretty good I gift. I them up with some tutorials and stuff. You never know when you're going to need it. Uh, you know, it's very useful. I don't like carry my lockpicks around with me everywhere, but no, um, I could see if, you know, I could see people carrying them around. I'm not, I'm not looking to get arrested. No, is it, it's definitely suspicious to have, uh, no, 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 no. you're not going to get, it's not illegal to have them, but to use them unless you're picking something that you own, you're, you're looking for a bit of trouble. Oh, definitely. And I mean, it's not something that you can conceal super easily either. No, I suppose you can't. It's not like it's not <laughs> like you can pretend like you're just using a key. You know what I mean? I would have been out of here a lot faster mm, if I was using yeah. a key. Well, it depends on the lock. You'd be surprised. Sometimes uh, you can pick a lock faster than you can use a key. What about like a, a standard household lock? Oh, easy. Really? Super easy. Like how I long? Pick, I can pick the the lock to your door here. That's a pretty heavy duty deadlock. It's not. It's not though. It's a standard five pin, you know, uh, schlag type type keyway. I think it does say schlag on it. Oh, does it? I just I'm just totally fucking guessing. <laughs> There's only so many people making. Uh... True, schlag is very common. Um, I don't know. I think I want to say it's more common in the U- U.S. though. Okay. Whatever. Quick, well, quick set, schlag, those are probably the, the top ones. Kind of disconcerting. Yeah, why are you bringing this up? I'm oh, just curious. Oh. You know, the thing with lockpicking is, like, it's like I guess it's with everything with me. It's like, I get super interested in something. Yeah. But uh, at some point, like, at some point, there you get to start picking locks that are just too fucking hard. Um, and it's not... Uh, and picking the old locks is just too fucking easy. So it's like at some point you're just like, I, for me, I was just like, you know, 
I'm not going to learn anything else at this point. So I just pull them out when I need them, which is never. Yeah. And until the day that you do need them. Yeah. No, uh, maybe, maybe I, that day will come. I think that's the same with anything in terms of when was the last time you needed a lock picked? Uh, probably like five years ago. Oh, really? Six years ago. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I can't say that I ever have. Like other than this filing cabinet incident. The big thing was I, I left my key somewhere and couldn't get access to the building. So I, or not the building, but the, the front door. So I slept out front in the hallway. So it was a great look for the unit. How do you, use the how do you not there. have a fucking this was, uh, a system? Years ago. Just uh, didn't Wasn't work there out. a system out there before? Like a intercom? No, like a, a backup plan. There was. And now uh, somehow our keys don't work with the lock anymore. So we must have swapped them out somehow. It's a bit of a mess. Genius. Genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Boris Johnson? Boris Johnson. Um, PM of He seems England. like a seems like a doorknob. I think it's a pretty pretty accurate description. I think um, he got into power at a very convenient time for, you know, just that, you know, people were looking for some sort of uh, no more status quo sort of thing. So yeah. they went with, you know, sort of the thing that was happening around the world. A lot of side in the States, su- super right wing, uh, the rise of super alt right or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yep. not that I think that he's super alt right. I don't think he is either. But I think that you know the same sort of fed up with the status quo type thing happened, and that's why you know people initially voted for him. So I was recently sent an article from a a common friend of ours. It was a CNN article and said Boris Johnson admits to having six children. So okay, I, so what he was not admitting to it before? I guess not. It was it was headline news. So I, I look into it, and the tally is four with his ex-wife, one that, with that his, he wasn't claiming. No, he was claiming these. Okay, so four he claimed. One with his current wife, claimed which is the one that he just got married to. I believe so, and then one from an affair before, and I believe this was the uh, the new news was the sixth child from an affair. So how old is said child? I was not disclosed in this oh, CNN well, article. You had to get the, the juice, right? So did it happen during his marriage? Did it Was it in between marriages? Which marriage was it? Right. Well, he just got married. So I'm assuming that it's not the new, near or the most recent one. Uh, this is really just a segue into the rest of it. But first off, I'm just so surprised at how many people want to have a child with Boris Johnson. Because to me, he's very comical looking. Not to give anyone shit about how they look but kind of could be in the dumb and dumber movies with the haircut okay okay continue um so this got me looking through some some boris johnson things on the internet and it seems like he has quite a few odd odd youtube clips which is you wouldn't expect from uh the the pm of england but before he was the mayor personal stuff no, no, not personal, just odd appearances. So the first one that caught my eye was his wheelchair rugby appearance while he was uh, mayor of London. So he, he sat in with, uh, with the team 
And I'll play a little clip here of just the sounds that Boris Johnson was making while playing wheelchair rugby. There's a okay. So is there a scrum? Uh, almost like that. Yeah. And we have, and I'll just describe it to the uh, the listeners. Boris Johnson is in a outfitted wheelchair holding a rugby ball. Um, and then he has the opposing team charging him, also in wheelchairs. And what really got me was the grunts and slight cursing okay. that, that came out of this. So I'll just play a little for you here. It's huge. Those noises are absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Um, <laughs> later on, I, I keep going through this, this rabbit hole and find a video of Boris Johnson ziplining. Okay, is he making noises? He is making noises. All right, let's hear it. And uh, so he gets stuck halfway through the zipline. And I just want to describe this as well. As he's going down, he has two small English flags in his hand that he's waving with excitement. And upon getting stuck um, halfway through the zip line, Boris Johnson says, This gangway is very, very well organized. What they do, get me a ladder. Okay. And uh, finally, we have Boris Johnson in front of what appears to be his summer home. Um, he is wearing Hawaiian style swim trunks. And reporters are, are looking for question. But all Boris Johnson has is tea for, for every reporter there, including milk and sugar. Do you regret your comments? <laughs> <laughs> do you regret that. your comments? Go and have a cup of tea. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. Do you regret your comments, yeah. sir? I want you, I want you to have a cup of tea. If I have you a cup of tea. He's a ridiculous individual and seems to get into some odd stuff with the media and I've just been laughing my ass off at this guy all week. How, how did, how did you get, how did this happen? Like where did, how did you fall into this of all the holes? It started with the, uh, <laughs> the CNN thing. And I'm like, I've always been kind of amazed with Boris Johnson. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe that you, <laughs> you spent this much time on this. I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Wow. He's an odd character and makes me laugh. I hope uh, somebody found some enjoyment out of that because I sure did. Yeah, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what, 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 you're, what you're trying to portray here. I'm just giving some uh, amusing anecdotes. And I'll finish off by saying as of August 7th, 2021, 34% of British voters approved the job. Boris Johnson was doing. That sounds low. Just to give some context. Is that low? I believe that's quite low. I, I don't know. I don't know what the historical approval ratings are in the UK. Nor do I. But 34% seems rather low. I know like in the US, like it's usually around 50%. Yeah. And that would have to do with partisan issues, number of parties involved. Right. Very true. But uh, yeah, Boris Johnson cracks me up, as you can tell. I don't really give him any thought, to be honest. Do you not just laugh when you see the guy, though? No, I think he's a fucking blowhard. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just got examples of that. No, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't like to give anybody like that too much attention. 
I mean, he's a world leader. Okay. I, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty funny stuff. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Boris. Always getting into trouble. The adventures of Boris Johnson. Doesn't, doesn't he, wasn't he like a riding the dick of Trump? Was he? Pretty sure. It's very possible. I don't pay attention to any of his politics. Which is strange. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that segment, folks. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Please do. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't think we have comments. (laughs) Maybe. I can provide more of this kind of entertainment. Entertainment, if you so enjoy. Um... So I was telling you last week we were talking about David Cho. We were. Um, uh, I was thinking about some David Cho stuff. You know, this week I've been listening to the podcast again. Um, I was telling you there's this new show called The Cho Show. Yes. Where he sits down with people and uh, interviews them and also paints them at the same time or draws them in some cases. Um one of the people he had on was Will Arnett. Interesting. Yeah. And I was kind of, I was pretty baked. Um, and I was thinking about, wouldn't it be interesting if in some parallel universe, um, Will Arnett got all the roles that Bob Odenkirk got? <laughs> okay. Right. So like if he was Saul. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if Will Arnett actually ended up playing Saul rather than Bob Odenkirk. Okay. Would people have noticed? That's a good question. I personally think they're both super talented, but I, I'm a I'm a Bob Odenkirk fan from way back, back to the you know David Cross and Mr. Show days. Exactly. Yeah, those were great times. Yeah, but Will Arnett is a funny dude as well. You know, uh, <sighs> Arrested Development. That's all I really enjoyed him in. I can't say there was the movie Blades of Glory, but that was pretty. Jeez, I didn't see that. It was pretty ridiculous. I don't think it was as smart as Arrested Development or Mr. Show. Fair. They have very similar uh, facial That's what I mean. Structures. They, they sort of look similar. They do. Anyway, it's just a funny <laughs> little funny thought that went through my head for a second. And both pretty uh, exclamatory in their way of speaking and acting. Yeah. I didn't realize that Will Arnett was Canadian. I, f- I forget about that. And the guy from o- is the guy from Ozark as well. What Jason Bateman? Yeah, is he uh, Canadian or am I he could completely be. wrong? He might be. I He's a actually, fantastic actor. Jason Bateman. What's the other guy? There's another guy that looks a lot like Jason Bateman, but I, I can't remember. Some Jerry something. Couldn't tell you. Jason Bateman is American. I was incorrect. Yeah. And Jerry something. I never met him. Yeah, I can't remember what that that dude's name is, but him and uh, Jason Bateman sort of look similar. That's a funny point you bring up. Will Arnett definitely could play those roles, I think. Yeah, and like I said, and they look similar. Did you watch much of uh, Better Call Saul? No, it's on my list, though. I heard it's really good. I did, too. You should contact Will Arnett. Yeah. See if he wants to stand in. Well, Will Arnett used to be married to Amy Poehler. She, he was, yeah. And I didn't realize that he's like a recovering alcoholic. That's not surprising. Well, it isn't surprising, but I didn't, I didn't realize that. But I'm assuming that that had some, some, something in the demise of that relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Amy Poehler's hilarious too. Yeah, I don't really know what she's up to these days, but she used to be pretty funny. Neither do I. I haven't seen anything recently. Um, or not. He was the newest season of Arrested Development is also very still funny. Making new Arrested Development? I think they did season five. I want to say. Holy shit! And it was good. Well, I haven't. I don't think I've watched any of the Netflix uh, seasons. The first one, I think it was season four, wasn't really my thing, but it seemed to be like a a setup for the next season, and mm-hmm. it paid off. But it's also a full season of setup. But it was it was quite good. Will Arnett's character is great. I didn't realize that Job yeah. standing for George Oscar Bluth until I rewatched Me it. Me either. That makes sense, though. Yeah. So all the water fountains at my school are out of service, obviously. Okay. For the reason of reducing COVID-19 right. spreading. Right. Which begs the question is, what were we doing with water fountains before? I wasn't using them. Ugh. Like, I've been grossed out water fountains since, you know, uh, elementary school. Me as well. And I'd still use them. No, never used them. And I mean, I shouldn't say never. I haven't used them since elementary school. They kind of upgraded them recently to have some antibacterial properties in the, the I, metal. I remember when I was at the college, yeah. uh, they had some newfangled, uh, fountains where you could just stick like a bottle in and would fill up the bottle. There was like a bottle slot. Yeah, that familiar. makes sense. But the drinking straight out of the fountain just doesn't make sense. No. At least it doesn't make sense to me. And especially like the old porcelain ones. Oh, yeah. And you you looked at the knob think, and like you, you know it hasn't been cleaned properly in a oh, long time. Not only that, is that, you know, if somebody just got too close and, you know, ended up lip smacking it. Yeah, you know, not, not that that not that there's really any inherent danger, but just the thought of it is kind of gross. Yeah, the bacterial accumulation—it's disgusting. So yeah. I, for one, I'm pretty happy that the water fountains aren't there. But I need to plan my water, okay, a lot better throughout the day. Yeah, I'm surprised that that school is still open. We'll see how it all goes. It doesn't make any sense. I was thinking today about the vaccine passport, uh-huh. which I personally don't have a huge issue with. Okay. But what about the folks that don't have a phone, for instance? You can, you can uh, have it on a piece of paper. You can have it on a piece of paper. A, like the homeless demographic is, might be excluded from this because they're probably not going to go out and get Okay. If a piece of paper, think about the, the places that are going to require you to ha- you have a vaccine passport. They're not They'd letting homeless anyway. people in anyway. Yeah. It's essential serve or non-essential services, yeah. bars, cafes. Sure. And I mean, um, the places that are going to welcome homeless people and aren't going to be worried about a vaccine passport. Probably not. That's a good point. It was just something that I thought of today is because I've been totally on board with the idea of it, but that was the first time that I was like, huh? Maybe some people don't have control over being able to do that. And by that, I'm there's always going having to be, a copy. You know, there's always going to be marginalized groups uh, for anything. Yeah. But uh, I think the thing to keep in mind is that the places that you're going to require a vaccine passport are um, not going to be places that are essential. Yeah. Right. They're going to be, you know, extracurricular or you know 
social gathering type places. Yeah, that is true. Right. So therefore, if, you know, if there's a private function or a private restaurant and they decide that, you know, or if they're not mandated by the government and they mm-hmm. decide that they want to enforce uh, vaccine passports, well then whatever, that's, the, that's to their prerogative. I agree. Anyway, it's probably not something we should talk too much about on the podcast. Probably not. Stay away from the politics. Unfortunately, they get it's the wise decision. Get involved in just about everything. No, these days. I agree, especially these days. You're right. So uh, you know, I like to watch Twitch. I do. Um, every now and then, I you know I have a pretty standard you know, list of say like, uh, 50 ish streamers that I follow. And so at any given time they may be online, but there's this little area in the bottom of the screen that recommends channels that maybe you're not following. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I saw one called Dr. Green Thumb and you know who it is? Is it uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill? And he's doing like little DJ sets. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's cool. He was doing some great shit with uh, Billy Jean the other day. Anyway, I didn't, I I think he's, I think he's new to Twitch, but I was like, fuck, this is something I would check in on. Yeah. The Dr. Green. It's called the Dr. Green Thumb podcast. Be Real is cool as hell. Yeah, man. And like, he's actually doing like beat matching. Like Proper. on the fly. Hmm. Yeah, some old school shit. Well, they were there in the early days. Yeah. That music holds up. Most of it, yeah. And I mean, Black Sunday, Temples, Temples of Boom, Boom, and what was their, the, their what first, was the first album? album? Was it just like Cypress Hill? Cy- yeah, I think so. Those yeah. three albums as a trilogy are fantastic. You got a bit poppy afterwards. Eh, not really. I think those ones are all good. Like the rock superstar. Rock Superstar? Yeah. What's that on? I It's one of their 2000s albums. That's I what I'm saying. Say. No, no. Oh, oh, that's why I don't know it. Exactly. Okay. And that's where it got a little bit poppy and not quite my style, but the early early 90s stuff was great. That Temple's Boom album. It's dark content-wise. It's like, just so good. Like, um, you know, it was really the first... Well, I don't want to say the first. It was one of the first uh, albums that really celebrated uh, marijuana culture. Yeah. You know, outside of, say, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, which was called The Chronic. Or Marley. But no, no, I'm just saying, though, like, even Bob Marley wasn't singing about smoking weed too much. I, he mentions right. it here and there. But, like, Cypress Hill, that whole album is just a, almost all the songs are about smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I thought that that's why I liked it so much. And really timeless stuff. Yeah. It's because their sampling game is oh yeah so tight. I think that's what really does it. And the rhymes are fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I always enjoyed that stuff. I don't know who DJed for them or put all that together, but could have been. No, I don't think it was B-Real. Probably not, hey? No, you would probably have somebody for that. Pretty fresh stuff. So, <laughs> um, so let's say that uh, humanity has come to an end, pretty mm-hmm. much, 
and it's just you and I, and we're on an island, yeah. and there's no hope of ever uh, being rescued because there's no other humans. Right. And one day, um, I'm foraging for some food, and I get bit on the tip of my dick oh, no. by a venomous snake. Oh, no. Would you suck the venom out to save my life? How flexible are you? Well, and I don't know. Let's hear it. Do you have the means to do it yourself? No. Obviously not, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't need you to do it. Set up some kind of like hydraulic system? No, we don't have any, uh, any of that stuff. We don't have any electricity. We don't have any modern technology. I'm not answering that. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize this was going to be such a difficult question. No. Like, no. So you understand that, that, um, uh, in prison. Yeah. They kind of, uh, look past homosexuality. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not really any other option and, you know, you got to get your rocks off. Apparently. So, you know, what you do in prison is fine. Uh, well, yeah, oh, I, I don't know. I, I, love I might let you die. Yeah. Well, it's very possible. Well, that's fine. That's an option. Like at, at that point, I think it's best for me to rely on the principles of natural selection. Right, but then you have to spend the rest of your life alone on an island and there's no other humans and so no chance of rescue. I think, yeah, I'd probably let you die and then just suffer the consequences of insanity. Oh, really? I don't know. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be sucking some dick. <laughs> you know, not necessarily to... Uh, to get the venom out, but you know, just to, as you said, get your rocks off. Yeah. How much Oz have you been watching? Um, I'm somewhere in season two right now. Oz is a show about jail folks. Yeah. That's a, an HBO, one of the original HBO shows about, uh, uh, fictional supermax in the not too distant future. Yes. Anyway. There's islands of dick sucking going on there. So, Oh yeah, exactly. It just is part of it. Well, and it's just, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it because if you look at the, the character played by J.K. Simmons, the, yeah. the white supremacist dude, yeah. he's, he's racist. He's, uh, you know, he, he believes in, you know, the white race is the higher power. He's like an Aryan motherfucker. He's, he's going for the, the he's, look. He's, he's still sucking dick. Yeah, I see. Or I guess maybe he's not sucking dick. He's getting his dick sucked, which is different. No, I'd, I think I'd rather die with pride. Not, yeah. hey, and just for the record, folks, nothing against it, just not for me. It's not for me either, but I'm just saying, like, you know, um, extreme, extreme situations, like I said, like in prison, that's kind of. Uh, it's kind of just like an under, understanding, even in uh, in the military, like the navy. Exactly. 
what happens on the boat stays on the boat. Right. And I'm not saying, uh, yeah, I'm not saying anything about homosexuality. I'm just saying like circumstantially. Yeah. The, you know, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, I think we were talking about this on the podcast where, you know, the, uh, ratio of men to women in China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get, I was telling you, like they have these Chinese, uh, working towns where there, there is no females. So they were like, uh, using like these experimental, uh, robot brothels. Yeah. Just to, you know, to, to keep the wheels of, uh, work going. Here's an idea. You need to keep these men satisfied. Let's put the robots in jails with prisoners. Nobody's going to pay for that. Why would you? Why? Why would you want to spend any more money than you have to to house a prisoner? You got to admit it's a good idea, though. No, the, the I funding. I don't think so. Could be an issue. An issue. But principally, I think it works. Why not just get them all uh, pocket pussies? It's probably cheaper. Yeah. For sure. You got to make sure that they have the material to clean them as well. I don't, I don't think they're too worried about that. They're, you know, sharing needles and, and shit. Never know. Having unprotected sex. Apparently, but nowadays it'll just be with your... Uh, Specified device, two per cell. Yeah, I don't think you're ever going to figure a way that the taxpayers are going to want to pay for shit like that. I mean, think about the whole idea of conjugal visits. Like that even seems like a a freedom that maybe prisoners shouldn't get. But they know that the the prisons know that you know if you want to keep the amount of incidence of trouble. You need to, you know, keep these people satisfied. They got to have something to look forward to. Well, eventually the the cost of robotics will come down. And eventually that may be a feasible option. Okay, so if I don't think that uh, the taxpayers are willing, willing to pay for a piece of molded silicon for somebody to fuck, I don't think there's ever going to be a time that they're going to pay for a piece of technology for them to fuck. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know, but I I don't know. Could be some major changes in uh compassionate imprisonment. If you say so. Just a thought. So just to be straight, I'm dying. <sighs> I'm just not admitting anything on air. Huh. Yeah. It says a lot about somebody. It's true. Yeah. I just uh I won't fall into the trap as to admitting anything on air. So oh, oh. that's it. Care oh. about the health of my friends, but sure, uh, sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. Another ex- example of uh, great friendship. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to uh, give an update on the Zodiac? Oh, I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. We definitely got. No, I don't think so. You still don't think so? I said it on the podcast last week. You did. That I didn't think it was over and I was right. And it wasn't I like I said we have I have some theories. I have two theories um about why it didn't work out, but like I said, um scammers don't refund you. Elaborate for for the listeners. Okay. So, uh 
we, I guess this was this last week. Yeah. Okay. So last week we tried to make a purchase from the Zodiac and, uh, originally we were going to use PayPal to pay for it. So, but then I guess PayPal has like a 24 hour hold on money. So, uh, we were gonna have to wait 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. The, we were like, well, you know, the sooner the better. So then we got the option to pay in crypto. We, oui. yeah. As in the French. Yes. We, oui. we, oui. um, Meanwhile, the guy said over text that he was going to refund PayPal, but there's no way to know, right? Right. So um, we sent him crypto and still hadn't received a refund on the PayPal side of things, and we weren't hearing anything back from this dude. So we felt real dumb. Right. But then the next day, I woke up to a refund. And I woke up to a message saying, sorry, bro. Yeah. The runner had an issue last night. Couldn't make it. Right. Check your PayPal for a refund. And at this point I said, okay, good that you're refunding. I can't let you know until my buddy's up and at him. We're on different schedules. Right. So I said, you've got our payment for the other, for the crypto to send somebody over. He's like, we're just waiting on, uh, on you to confirm that you got our refund before we leave. And at this point, I'm like, that makes no logical sense whatsoever. Uh, okay. It doesn't make any logical sense that they would refund you. There's no, there was no benefit in them refunding us. And is there any way for them to access other records through that? Like, that's what I'm thinking. What, other, with what do you no, mean? With no knowledge of the workings of PayPal. Disclaimer. Is there any way they can access like credit card information no. or anything like no, that? No, that's the whole the, idea the of having PayPal is is you can hide your credit cards behind PayPal. Hmm. Yeah. It was very curious. So at the end of the day, he and you got your refund, right? Yeah. So that's good. Because <laughs> otherwise we would have been out a Okay. Little more. So do you have anything more to say? I've been messaging him throughout the week and uh, I'd like to know what, like, give me uh, some ideas of the types of messages that you've been sending. I'm a pretty seasoned person when it comes to these things. I, I'm not going to scare not, anyone off. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying like, I'm just going to pull him up here. Maybe, I don't know. I think maybe it might've been different if I was talking to him, but none of them have been opened for the past week. That's the okay. thing. So I've sent him the, this was last Sunday said, I'm available for delivery this evening if you have a runner ready. Not opened. Okay. Two days later. Hello? Question mark. From them or from you? From me. Okay. No response. Right. Yesterday. Hey, still waiting on an order from last weekend. Right. Get back to me. No, okay. not, not opened. Right. So, um, so that, the fact that it's not opened means they haven't read it. And if they haven't read it, then um, how do they know to ignore you? Because they've already got our cash. But why but they did they refund? refund? They refunded. That's the big curious. Right. So what are your theories then? You said you had a theory. That was pretty much it. Can they backtrack you 
No, that's a dumb to getting theory. getting some kind of personal information or data no, or no emails, no names, no. That was all I had. So there's no other reason. It's is very odd. They kept the crypto, but okay. refunded the PayPal. Okay, my initial thought, yeah, was maybe we've uh, drawn some heat onto them from here, right? It's possible. But that's not possible. Nobody's listening. Someone's listening. Right. But I don't think any, but enough, there's enough listening to have drawn any heat. Then no. I was thinking, wow, the value of crypto has dropped significantly mm-hmm. since that transaction happened. And I want to say like 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So maybe that's why. We used Litecoin. It doesn't matter also had a drop they all they've all dropped yeah right so there's that i think that's the most likely and they're just getting out of the game i just think that you know as a depending on what kind of operation they've got they're either holding crypto a lot of crypto or they're converting to cash Mm -hmm. and if they're converting to cash they've immediately lost money agreed yeah and that might be enough to ignore you just for the fact that it's not even worth it anymore for them. Yeah, that's that's reasonable for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to know for sure. In the end... I don't expect yeah, to hear back. I, I mean, I named last week's episode uh, Get Scammed? I question saw. mark. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I... Would I try it again? Probably. Really? Yeah. They're definitely selling drugs. I don't know, man. The dude sent you a photograph with the date. Yeah, but anyone can have a pile of drugs on a table and start taking pictures with a name. Who on has it. a pile of drugs on the table uh, that they just take photos with? Somebody. No. You never know. No. You never know. That doesn't make any sense. I've been looking at the updated thing because they update their another one. There's another video on the Snapchat ad. There's a Snapchat oh, is there a, app. Is there a third? Yeah, update? They've, they've updated since. Oh, right. So I probably should have added now? that. It's all the same shit, just in different places. Like I look at their, oh, okay. not to go to a private investigator here, but I look at their sheets of acid. Yeah. None of them are touched. And like the, the pile of cocaine. Yeah. But what if they're only dealing exactly in the sheets? <sighs> Maybe. Or not only, not, not, I don't know. There's so many things. There's so many reasons. It's true. I just don't think we're going to have much luck with these folks. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think it's a scam. Hopefully we find out. Mm, I don't think it matters either way. I'm just saying I don't I don't think it's a scam. I'm going to disagree. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would probably uh, attempt to purchase from them again. Well, uh, I'm sure it'll... Uh if it comes up again, we'll do it. Oh, but. no, I would try. I would try. I mean, there's got to be more people doing this than them. I would try somebody else. I'm just saying. I just think with Canada Post and the other methods, it can, whatever you want, can arrive in like four days. Oh, no, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying like for the content, Agreed. I'm interested in. I'm interested in seeing what's actually available locally. 
Yeah, that's true. Just for, you know, content sake. And I'm sure the other uh, folks like us would appreciate it. As you no, said no I just week. mean like, you know, like I, I think I mentioned it last week off the podcast where, you know, one of the first times we did acid together, yeah. we were, you know, um, pondering that we might be, the, you know, the only people this fucking high on acid in the entire city. Yeah. And, you know, if this person is in the city, they got a lot of fucking acid. It's true. I'm I'm always a skeptic. Of course, but that's whatever. That's not a good way to go through life. I don't know about that. You got to have some skepticism, but you can't always be, you know, from the from the get-go, you thought you got ripped off and you were just like, we're ripped off, we're ripped off, we're ripped off. Oh, we got ripped off. I didn't say it that many times. You said it a lot. My body language may have. You said it a lot. But my words did not. No, you were you said it a lot. Like and you were convinced and like well, I there's said, still no drugs in our hand. That's fine, but like, there are are there is it possible there are reasons? There are. Yeah. Why again? Why would they refund? There's absolutely no reason that for them to refund. That is curious. I'll, I will. I will say that. If even like okay, so if they were like, let's say they refunded, mm-hmm. and then they said, oh, you know. The crypto you sent, it just wasn't enough. Send us some more. Okay, then I'd be like, okay, so they refunded you to be like, oh, look, we're legit. Um, Give us some more money. And then, you know what I mean? Okay, I could see that. But they didn't do that. They didn't. No, there sure, there, there are some red flags for sure. Yeah. I just don't think we've exhausted the possibility that it might actually still be a thing. Well, I check uh, every couple days. Oh, no, no, I don't care. I don't care. You don't have to check. I'm just saying like... I kind of want to. I want to see if there's any developments. Yeah, I mean, at some point, they're not going to remember you anyway. That's why I'll keep messaging. All right, go to it. Speaking of uh, drugs, read an interesting article today. Researchers at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine found that octopuses, apparently is colloquial for octopi as well, using both. And so octopuses and humans have similar gene regions, um, which code for proteins that bind to the serotonin membrane. Um, This came from the idea that octopuses display social behavior, they play, they interact. A lot of the times they're very aggressive and asocial. So the times that they are interacting is during mating season. Um, So the purpose of the study that they conducted was gene uh, isolation and then correlation with human genes. But they also wanted to examine the evolutionary reasons behind social behavior. So they decided to give these octopuses MDMA. Sorry, sorry, what were they what were they trying to uh, achieve? So it started out with um, so the observation is that humans and octopuses share similar behavioral traits in terms of socialization in different okay. circumstances. Okay. Okay. Then they went on to look at the genomes between octopuses and humans and saw that the genes that code for serotonin binding proteins are similar to a good degree or a great degree between humans and octopuses. Mm-hmm. 
they wanted to see how octopi would respond to, uh, or before that, they wanted to learn about the evolutionary benefits of socialization. Right. That's okay. This is from Johns Hopkins. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> the ethics of it. I'm very confused about. So their next I just step, don't know how they got to MDMA. I don't either. It doesn't make any sense. And like, if you were, if you're trying to, uh, interact with the, you know, serotonin or dopamine, yeah. why not just use like Prozac? Um, because they interact differently at the end of the day. I'm just saying like, how the fuck did they get to MDMA? There seems like there's so many other things they could be using in well, this research. MDMA is known to like make people more social and I'm not saying I'm on board with the study, but make people more social in terms of more social than smoking weed. Yeah. Or having a drink. I know you said you didn't like the M that, uh, no, I, I, I just think that people's, the layman out there yeah. probably have a misconception about MDMA just like I did. Yeah. In that I think that people hear MDMA, they're like, oh, ecstasy. They're like, oh, that's a psychedelic. Yeah. And it ain't. It ain't. No, it's, it's not a tryptamine-based molecule. You're not going to have that same visual experience. Yeah. I mean, to me... There's no not a huge difference between MDMA and meth. Yeah. And I've never done meth, but yeah, uh, I don't need to do MDMA after realizing that uh, it's just a stimulant. There is only a methylene group and a dioxy group difference. It's very similar. Um, anyway. Yeah. So the way they got the MDMA into the octopuses was to place the octopuses four males and four females into a beaker filled with a solution containing mdma okay let's pause for a second sorry so i was worried you're gonna erase it and i would have been not i'm not redoing it i was also worried what time was what's the timestamp? Where were we at? Uh, we were at 40, just 40 minutes. Okay. Because now I'm going to have to edit it. You are? Yeah. Go. Cool. So the way they got the MDMA into the octopuses. Anally? No, they put them in beakers filled with an MDMA solution, which oh, was then okay. absorbed into their gills. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Did they immediately start bashing their head, head <laughs> against the glass? <laughs> Um, so they then placed them in the experimental chambers, which consisted of... Did they play them mini EDM? I don't think they did. Oh. They should have, though. Okay. <laughs> um, so essentially, they... This sounds really cruel, actually. They put one octopus in a cage. A cage? A cage, and then allowed... Like outside of the water? No, they're in the water. And a submerged cage. Submerged cage, and then the rest of the octopi, octopuses... So the other seven, okay. yeah, um, were allowed free movement through these different chambers. But were they all on MDMA? Yes. See, and then they also okay. had a, a group before that was not on MDMA. And what is the, what purpose does the cage sit? Uh, They're sequestered from the environment. So oh. when they were not on MDMA, the findings showed that when they were not on MDMA, they avoided the caged octopus 
when they were on MDMA, they went to the cage and apparently grasped onto it and displayed more social behavior than without the MDMA. This is from Gul Dolin, MD, PhD, professor of neuroscience at Johns Hopkins and others. Do with that what you will. But I read that and was moderately shocked. You know, when I hear stories like this that don't add up for some reason, yeah. um, I just wonder if like you got these PhD motherfuckers at the university um, and they're like, we need to come up with some some research where we can get our hands on some MDMA <laughs> and uh, you know then we got some some pure shit that's very possible I don't know it just it's just it, an abs- it just doesn't and the story just doesn't make sense like how do you, how do you get oh yeah um, the only chemical compound uh, available that uh, increases socialization that we know of is MDMA it's just like there's so many other things like like I said alcohol yeah but they wanted to specifically look at the serotonin right but there's not a serotonin effect from getting drunk Uh, there's probably some but it's mainly GABA Okay. And a few other neurochemicals. Still, MDMA? MDMA. Okay. I, like I said, I'm not necessarily on board with this. I just thought it was absurd and worth mentioning it's, that they, they put them in, the exact wording was placed in beakers with an aqueous solution of MDMA. That cannot be ethically sound. I'm going to propose some research um, <laughs> where I take my water bong and I put an octopus in it and then I fill the bowl and I take one massive hoot um, and then I, I wait to see if the octopus uh, is going to put on uh, a Rastafari hat and start listening to Bob Marley. We should try this out. I know where we can get an octopus and I have a bong. I'm good. I don't want to, f- uh, you know, I think that was know, a joke. Yeah. I don't want to fuck with the octopus. Definitely a joke. Yeah. Yes. I, I question the ethics of this last study. I do not condone burning octopuses in a bong. Get two birds stoned at once. It's a good point you got there. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are these PhD students doing? I don't know those those don't sound like PhD students. Those sounds like That was an MD PhD. Yeah, so they've got their PhD at that point. They're and not, medical doctor. That's the thing. It's like Yeah, both. I don't know. Curious stuff. I found a uh a cool app the other day. Okay. It's called Merlin. It's from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Okay. And it's a, it's pretty much like Shazam for birds. So you play a bird song and it tells you what bird it is. So you're out in the woods and you see a cool ass bird. Uh Say, what the hell is that bird? Yeah. You have different options. You can A, upload, um, or it asks you five questions. You answer these questions given your location. Jesus. They access the database called eBird. 
which tracks the migration patterns and population of birds globally. Okay. Um, they use these five questions or a sound, which is another what feature. What are the five questions? Um, I actually haven't used it in person yet. But um, I've heard it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so you can use sound, the five questions, or some other option. Not sure what it is. Um, and to use the app, you download a data package for your area of the world. And so for Western Canada, it was 812 megabytes. So not too large. That's pretty big. But then you can use it offline. So like if you're birding in the middle of nowhere and you really want to find out what bird it is, you can use this application. Hmm. I've seen an, a similar app, much simpler, mm-hmm. um, where you can just take a picture of any leaf. It'll tell you what plant it is. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Any leaf. And you don't have to answer five questions. Yeah. None of this bullshit. Like the... I don't know much about computing science, but to be able to convert the image. Well, so what into they, they do is they, they use a, they train in a, a neural network. Yeah. And I don't understand why they don't train a neural network on, uh, strictly on, you know, sound or images of birds and say, fuck these five questions or what region of the world you're in. Yeah. Our, our trained neural network will do the work for you. Interesting. Yeah, and whatever. It's still cool. Absolutely. I mean, the the resource is there. I haven't used eBird other than just looking into it for this podcast, but they've got a lot of fucking birds on there. Yeah, just cool stuff, and it's just really nice. Cool. I like birds a lot. They're interesting creatures. It's cool to see uh, once again the merging of computation and biology. Exciting stuff. Got another one for you. Okay. All right. Research out of the Pasteur Institute in Paris has found three viruses in Laos. Okay, wait. Is it the Louis Pasteur? Uh, it's just called the Pasteur, but it is Louis Pasteur. I mean, it's named after Interesting. the man who created the pasteurization process. Right. Which we all rely on, especially here in North America. Not so much anymore. How so? Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, at least in you know, this century, um, I think in a lot of cases, people have realized that pasteurization, while is great in terms of food safety, yep. isn't always great in terms of uh, the nutrients that you're getting out of whatever it is, like whether in this case, most likely probably milk mm-hmm. um, or uh, honey, for instance, like unpasteurized honey is supposed to be the way to go. It is re- readily available right. around here. But, it's my preferred source of but honey. But it, it wasn't always, you know, because everything was just pasteurized. Yeah. So it was harder to get these unpasteurized goods. And I think, you know, it still would be hard to get unpasteurized milk at this point. Uh, there's raw milk available somewhere, but I think it's pretty obscure. Yeah, I've had some raw milk cheeses, and I'm not a huge fan of them. You see, the thing with me is, is I know this sounds really crazy, but I don't drink milk. The I don't only, drink milk either. I, I just consume dairy products. So I like, I love cheese. I will have some cream and coffee. Sure. But that's as close to drinking milk as I'll ever get. I don't, there's no way in hell I'm going to be buying a carton of milk and having a glass of milk. No. It's just seems so ridiculous to me that we're drinking the milk of another animal. But I mean, 
I agree with you, but at the same time, it is hypocritical to. Oh, that's what eat, I'm, that's why I'm saying it sounds crazy. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It sounds yeah. crazy, but what you know? What's so crazy is how weird it would sound if uh, we were eating cheese made from the milk of a human. Yeah, that sounds even more strange. It sounds strange. Yeah, but it's it should, really shouldn't. No, be, I right? agree with you. Yeah, it's, you know. Anyway, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. Cow milk. My my family has always enjoyed drinking milk. Oh yeah, I know. And uh, there was like when I was a kid, I could get down with it. And you might find this uh, disgusting, listeners. But if you didn't know, chocolate milk and strawberry milk apparently are discolored from the start. That is a fucking. I'm not, yeah, okay, it may be discolored from the start, but I don't think, I know where you're going because whatever, I know the this person that by says research. this bullshit and <laughs> it's just not true. Oh, you don't buy it? Oh, yeah, the, they, uh, they use the, the milk with all the, the pus and uh, blood in it. Uh, they, they make that into chocolate milk. I'm like, fuck off. I don't know, That's man. That's some bullshit. I'm sitting here trying to look it up. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I can't defend it. But um, I don't know. As a kid, I drank milk. I drank chocolate milk. I enjoyed strawberry milk, which was mainly just sugar and blood and blood. But um, I think when I was like 14 or 15, I realized I'm like this is this is disgusting. Yet I love cheese. Oh, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I like I like dairy products. Butter on toast. I, I'm actually, you know, of all places yesterday, I found Walmart is now selling grass-fed butter. You're shitting me. No. And I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. Good. Yeah. What's so, the price? It's it's about twice the price of regular butter. Yeah. I think that's pretty consistent. I don't use a lot of butter. So if I buy like, a, I don't know, what what is it? What do they come in? Those bricks, right? About a pound. A pound? pound of butter. Uh I'm typically throwing out half of that because I'm just not using it in time. And what butter goes bad? Yeah, I don't use a lot of. I don't. Butter doesn't go bad for so long, though. Oh, well, you'd be surprised. I probably go through a brick a month. Oh no, I'm talking. No, I wouldn't Hell go yeah. through a brick in six months. Oh no, I'm definitely using a pound a month. That's insane. Nah, you must have be having some some slippery shits. They're they're pretty healthy. I bet these days they're I must sliding say sliding right out. <laughs> No effort. I we've discussed it before. I prefer a high fat diet. Well, yeah, but I mean, like the reason you want to have uh, the the good fats, right? The medium chain triglycerides. Yeah, that is, you know, you're gonna find those more in a grass fed um, butter than you are going to find in just the regular bricks of butter, right? Right. So I can see consuming a lot of grass-fed butter but regular butter just doesn't make sense have you ever had cultured butter um yeah i think so it's really good it's it's an option at the at least the grocery store near my place and it's like mildly fermented what are your thoughts on whipped butter i don't really have much of a use for it but i i do like it just the idea of it if I'm having toast, because I don't want to keep my butter at room temp See, that's for too pro- long. This is the problem with butter. Yes, I it's agree. It's not spreadable. It's not, and that's where margarine comes in, but then it's just canola oils. You know what? I was trying to I'm, find I'm a butter-based spread, and you can't. 
I think I saw one from a, a local creamery here. Oh, by local, okay. I mean provincial. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, like at Walmart, everything is, they got a billion time types of margarine. Yeah. But they only got, you know, salted butter, unsalted butter, and now they have uh, salted and unsalted grass-fed butter. That's all they got. You don't really, I would say the only other thing you need is cultured butter. Well, I bought That's like a, a thing of like a, a dozen croissants the other day. Yeah. And you know, you got to eat them fast because they go stale pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just sucks to not have some sort of spreadable fat product. You got to heat it up. Yeah. Or like, like you said, leave it out a little bit and then who's planning their, uh, their croissant binges. See, I, I buy the pound of butter divided into four sticks. Yeah. And that way I can throw one stick or like half a stick out on the counter. Okay. And that's good for like, I think a day or two. I don't know I don't what the know. deal is. I don't know. I'm usually fine. I, like I said, it takes me a long time to go through butter. No, I, I love some butter. Anyway, back to the Pasteur Institute. Right. Um, did you have any other points on pasteurization? Because it's a good topic. Mm, no, just that I think it's more common nowadays to have the option. One thing that I will say with that is there's a, a lot of people, uh, the kombucha, which I enjoy drinking kombucha every once in a while. Yeah, it's a fucking, the fermented it, foods, the meat. But you know what they say about, kimchi. about kombucha? Mm. It doesn't have anywhere near enough probiotics in it to make a difference in your health. Well, I've been taking some microbiology classes and learning that after like, 10 to 12 years old, nothing really changes your gut biome because it's established early and it comes from the mother through breastfeeding you and can, then your early you diet. You can rebuild it. It's really difficult to do. Like yeah, Your, your natural gut flora is like whatever you have is right. bound to take over again. And in order to get different right, but flora I'm saying in like, there. Um, so I kind of actually have read a lot about this. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, there's been a link uh, for a long time, um, between gut flora and mental health. Absolutely. Gut flora really touches everything. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so I've read that, you know, like if you were on antibiotics, even a handful of times as a child, your gut flora could be seriously fucked. And I was a seriously sick kid growing yep. up. Uh, I was on antibiotics several times a year, mm. definitely. And so I, I you know, I, I had heard about the, the gut and overall health, mm -hmm. but also, you know, mental health. And um, started reading about like you could do, um, a lot of people have this candida, which is like uh, yeast. Okay. Right. Yeah. And they've yeah. got like way too much yeast going on. Mm -hmm. And so um, you go on that, what they call like a candida diet. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And what you do is you're basically, it's like a elimination diet and you get down to almost nothing. And then um, you get rid of all of this yeast and then you start to rebuild your gut flora from like the ground up. And like you can go on like different types of probiotics to get that going interesting yeah it's super interesting 
I wonder if, because you mentioned that you were obviously on antibiotics as a oh, youngster, yeah, lots, yeah, and if your gut biome isn't established, especially like this is just from what I've learned, obviously not a some a doctor or anything like that, yeah. but um, if your gut biome isn't established, then it would make sense that if you have something disrupting a growing ecosystem, that it could probably wipe well, out your natural flora. Antibiotics just wipe out good and bad. Everything. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. And one another thing, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I read another thing recently saying that malaria, there's a strain of malaria in Africa that's becoming antibiotic resistant. Okay. There's going to be a huge issue, just a tangent based on... Uh, so, um, like when I was doing all this research, because I was like, wow, my gut flora must be, could be very fucked up. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was having like a lot of stomach problems. It turns out, you know, it's just eating shitty. Yeah. Um, but I read about this dude. So like, you know, I have some autoimmune issues like yep. asthma, allergies, uh, that kind of thing. And I was reading that if you have fucked up gut flora, that can exacerbate these kinds of health issues. And so um, there's this dude, I can't remember what his name is, but he wrote this paper called The Hygiene Hypothesis. And his thought was, and it's still super interesting to me to this day, that if you look at Western culture, Western culture is full of illness, right? But you look at a third world culture and they don't have a lot of the, that chronic illness that you see over where we have modern medicine. Mm -hmm. So his I thought was that maybe it has to do with the fact that we're over sanitizing our world you know, right from the time that we're children now uh, on up and we're not maintaining that original flora. So what he did is his hygiene hypothesis was he walked through an open latrine. Okay. Right. And his thought was that he's going to get infected with some different shit like, you know, uh, in particular hookworms. And he ended up finding that um, through hookworm therapy, believe it or not, mm -hmm. like uh, introducing hookworms to the human body um, where they will just travel down into your gut um, is something that a lot of people are missing. And he was able to um, find that people who were doing some hookworm therapy now not enough to even show up that you have an infection or you know show up on a like a parasite test trace amounts right um but the effects on um you know chronic illness or autoimmune illness such as asthma or allergies um some people had as much as like 60 70 percent remission wow yeah just from hookworm therapy so interesting yeah, this whole gut floor thing has always been super interesting to me. It's, I think, uh, medicine more, more and more is understanding that it's, it's a big part of just the ecosystem of the body. Oh yeah. They used to be like, Oh, you should, you know, everybody should take some form of probiotic, but you know, now they say like, 
if you're taking a probiotic that has less than four strains, that's not enough. You need to have at least four strains in your probiotics for them to be making a difference. I believe a lot of it isn't clinically confirmed yet. Oh, definitely not. So it's it's pretty up in the air. And for, at least from what I've been taught and read is that it's it's very difficult to change any really bacterial colony that's that's within the body or on the body but also a very young area of research that we could learn more about in the future so i don't know just maybe to give a little bit more information um on the hygiene hypothesis um it says here, I just looked it up. It says the hygiene hypothesis just suggests that sorry, the hygiene hypothesis suggests that a newborn baby's immune system must be educated so that it will function properly during infancy and the rest of life. One of the key elements uh, of this education is to switch on T cells called TLR4. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, asthma and the hygiene hypothesis. That'd be an immune cell. I assume. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, yeah. It's exciting areas of research for sure. It I, makes I sense. I think it's something like too. 10 times the number of cells in your body. Or sorry. There's 10 times the amount of cells in your body on you that are bacterial. Like we're covered in bacteria. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Our entire system is breathing and expelling small little prokaryotic organisms it's exciting stuff going back to louis pasteur right <laughs> and more so the pasteur institute in paris um this is just from a update from nature that i got a few days ago they found three viruses in laos um each virus was found in three horseshoe bat species and all of them are more than 95% identical to the SARS-CoV-2. And their protein binding domains um, are compatible with the human ACE2 receptor, which is how COVID gets into our systems. It's within the nose and the epithelial cells. Um, so this research hasn't gone through peer review yet, but they're claiming that this supports the idea of the natural origin of SARS-CoV-2, so rather than there's the lab leak theories going on, all that kind of thing, um, they're looking at this and saying, hey, we have other viruses that are in plentiful amounts, and they're very similar to the SARS-CoV virus. Um, other relatives of SARS-CoV-2 are found in Thailand, Cambodia, and Yunnan province, China, suggesting that Southeast Asia may be a hotspot of diversity for, for COVID for SARS-CoV-2 related viruses. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's uh probably stuck with these things for a long time, but the big thing is you don't get infected if you don't interact with these animals. And I'm not saying that really not saying anything other than that. It's just uh it needs to go from animal to human somehow. Uh-huh. And just existing isn't uh necessarily a threat. So um the more interesting parts of this about this story yeah you know like think about um fecal transplants right I, I thought that was going to come up yeah so i mean like now they're 
they're saying like somebody with a you know an IBS type situation yeah can find a lot of relief um, by getting a fecal transplant from somebody that doesn't have that problem mm-hmm. you know typically should be somebody you live with though which I'm not sure why they say that interesting must have something to do with some parallels in your gut flora based on the fact that you're live in the same house eat similar things blah 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 same blah. environment yeah but you know they're i don't know it's almost like this miracle treatment in a lot of cases i was listening to a microbiology podcast the other day and they were talking about fecal matter transplants the person who first came up with it used a turkey baster for the first trial oh, dude i've seen some shit on online where you know like there's people you know what do they call them uh biohackers let's say sure okay yeah i where, know what you mean oh i saw one where a dude uh basically and i'm not joking like there's a youtube video of this dude doing it um where he took his roommate shit and put it into gel caps and was like downing massive amounts of gel caps full of shit. Would you try the fecal matter transplant? I would. Like if you knew the person you're in, I you, don't even, you live, if, even if I don't know them, as long as they're, I mean, you're supposed shit to live together con- containing HIV or something. Yeah, I'm down. I wonder if you can get HIV through shit. I think so. Would make sense. Yeah, I'm pretty bloodstream. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But I mean, as you know, providing there are none of those risks, yeah, yeah I'd be totally down. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's uh, another thing I can't get over, and I'm okay with that. You know, my it seems like that would be a better uh, thing to have a form of treatment rather than some medication that you have to take for the rest of your life. Just eat shit. No, you don't even have to eat shit. They can literally, um, like I said, they can do that from their ass to your ass, and oh. it can it can work that way. You That's don't, so it doesn't gross. have to go down through your esophagus. Either way, it's. I don't think. I, I mean, it sounds gross, but it's pretty gross, it makes, JP. No, it's not that gross. I, I would have. It's to not as gross as you. this dude with the Ziploc bag uh, full of shit, where he's he's filling up these gel capsules with this liquid shit uh, that he got from his roommate. Both are pretty gross. Mm, I don't know. All in the name of uh, the flora of the gut and the butt, I suppose. But uh, I'm I'm good. Like I, I'll be all right with my, my barren gut flora if that's what it comes down to. I don't think... I don't think like I think if you were a person who had uh, illnesses, autoimmune illnesses, you might have a different uh, opinion. It's possible. I've heard a lot of people who I respect talking about this. And no, I, can well, never I mean take it's it not. Seriously. It's not. It's not just. <laughs> it's not just. You know, funny news story. To oh, no, tell. It, There's some actual science behind it. No, I listened to an hour podcast about it the other day. Yeah, it was graphic. Sure. But if it, if it works, I would it works. also be down to try the hookworm uh, therapy as well. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I I always just err on the side of research first, and then we'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, well, always good to be safe. But if it works, it works. Sure. At the end of the day. What have you been listening to recently? 
Um, I've been listening to different stuff. Uh, let's see here. What I have in my history. I watched, uh, I was saying earlier, the Miles Davis Birth of the Cool documentary. Yeah, the one you've watched three or four times now. So good. Like, over the a few years, but it's it's fantastic. So this week I've been listening to uh, Beck. Yeah. Guero. Good album. Fantastic. Que onda? Guero? Yeah, exactly. Um, interesting as well is that uh, Beck is getting divorced again. Okay. Uh, this chick that he was married to, I guess, was only for a couple of years. And she's getting half of their collection of Banksy art. What? Yeah. That's a that's a split you don't see every day. It is. But so I don't know how many times Beck has been married. I know that's at least twice. Okay. Um, the first time he was married, it did not end well. And when I say that, I mean like it didn't end well for him for sure. Okay. Um, and he wrote... Uh, that sea change album that came out, and if you listen to that album, you can you can tell what mindset Mr. Beck was in. I mm. love that album too, by the way. It's one of the good ones. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem like he's upset about this most recent marriage falling apart. So I don't think we'll see an awesome album come out of that. Ah, that's that's unfortunate. But that sea change album is it's so good. It's one of those albums that. Uh, even if you're if you're down in the dumps and you want to listen to it, great. But you can listen to it when you're not down in the dumps and be like, "Shit, this dude is down in the dumps." It's got range. Oh yeah, it's a lot of. It's like the it's like um, the original Donda album, <laughs> right? Which is um, 808s and heartbreaks. Like when Kanye's mom died from complications to due to plastic surgery, which was insane. Um, he, that's when he came out with 808s and heartbreaks. And you can tell in that album too, that where his mind is at, you know, it's very, it's a very dreary album, but very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've been listening to back. Um, been listening to some George Harrison. Yeah, what album were you bringing up? So, uh, George Harrison has, I think it's his first solo album. It's like a double album called All Things Must Pass. Okay. And uh, I'd heard it before, um, but I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Um, I could play a little little ditty. Let's hear it. Uh, I'll play maybe the first 40 seconds of it. Um, This song's called My Sweet Lord. It's number two. Uh, on the album. My 
take so long, my love. Okay, so there's that. And then later on in the song, he goes from, uh, I'm assuming, you know, thinking about Jesus, um, to, uh, I think, you know, going back to his time uh, with the Maharishi. The Maharishi? Yeah. Is this when he went to learn of the sitar? Right. When, yeah. when the Beatles went to India. Because he was with Ravi Shankar. Right. Yeah. But they were also hanging out with the transcendental uh, meditation guys, uh, the Maharishi. Interesting. Yeah. So then, you know, later on the song, it goes to this. Think this was he singing Hari Krishna yeah. halfway through that? Hari Krishna. Yeah, so I was saying like the Hari Hari Krishna. Yeah. Yeah. Such a fantastic song. You can really hear all the influence, obviously a short Harrison, but like the influence that he had in the writing of Beatles music. I mean, that reminds me of Yeah, he's involved. He's not just like the Lennon can, McCartney. The Let Me Hold Your Hand days or mm-hmm. like the earlier stuff. It's got that same kind of feel. Or I want to hold your hand. There we go. Like, I'm not a big fan of, I'm a big fan of the Beatles. I'm not a huge fan of Paul McCartney's solo career or with Wings. Just not my stuff. I can admit that, you know, he's a talented dude, obviously. But uh, George Harrison and John Lennon, I like John Lennon the most. Uh, I'm also the most familiar with his solo stuff. But George Harrison is definitely, to me, than, you know, the next best person to come out of the Beatles. I'm not incredibly educated on the, on Lennon, but I've always enjoyed George Harrison's stylings more than anybody else in the band. Yeah. He really takes focus and you can hear when he's writing songs. Yeah. I remember I I said that this was a double album. It's actually a triple album. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Means that it took, it was on three pieces of vinyl. Wow. Yeah. Six sides of goodness. Yeah, so what do they fit, like 33 or 34 minutes onto okay. a, a disc? I can't say uh, I know. Yeah, it's something like that. Both sides combined. That's a properly sized album. Yeah, it's really good. All Things Must Pass. Uh, I've really wanted to own it on vinyl for a long time, but it's so expensive. Yeah. To get the, you know, the original. The yeah. Good old George. Yeah, what about you? What have you been listening to? I don't have anything to play today, but the uh, the Miles Davis documentary brought back on the corner. It came out of the, the Miles Davis album. Came out of the years of like Bitches Brew, Live Evil, early seventies kind of era. That funky experimental. Yeah, there's like a sitar in there and uh, a little bit of tabla. I will play a little bit actually because I think it's it's interesting stuff and. 
he, he was still really ahead of his time. Okay, so this is this is one of these tracks. What's the deal with this track? It's uh, pretty much the whole album is like this, to be honest with you. Okay. But it, uh, I like when you hear that waka 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 sound. Is John McLaughlin on guitar? You hear it in that other. Uh, what's that other album that you like uh, uh, with the, the Jack Johnson? No, it's the Japanese. Uh, one funky oh right funky uh, stuff soul media funky stuff funky stuff absolutely yeah. do you want to hear some of that no no um, <laughs> so I've been listening to that and then recently Outcast released an animated video for two dope boys and a Cadillac for their 25th anniversary of AT Aliens okay worth a look and lastly I saw a documentary last night called the Festival Express. You ever heard of it? Nope. So the Grateful Dead, the band, Janis Joplin, and Buddy Guy's Blues Band, among other people, traveled across Canada on a CN rail train. Cool. Playing gigs all across the country. And it's an hour-long documentary following them throughout it. And you see some really cool shots of the dead. Um, you get like a 20-minute Joplin performance at the end. It's it's good shit. I like Janis Joplin. I must say, you can find that on your streaming services. But I hadn't seen it before and thought it was a it was a pretty cool video with lots of footage that I hadn't seen before. Cool. Yeah. What uh, streaming service is it on? The Amazon Primes. Oh. No endorsements given, just facts. Oh, well, make it easy for people to find it. Yes, it's called the Festival Express. Check it out. Is, are, are we are we done? I think so. All right. It's been a blast. See you next week. Bye. A dope-ass beat.